What's going on, friends? I'm so excited you're with us today for another episode of the I Thrive podcast. I feel like I say that every single episode, but it could not be more true. I'm genuinely excited that you're here. Uh, well, if you haven't been with us before, my name is Trevor Woodward. I'm the host, um, and I'm a health coach in the Atlanta area. And one of my favorite things as a health coach is that no two of my clients are the same. Everyone is so uniquely different. Now, they may come in here with similar goals. There's a lot of people that come to me and say, I want to lose weight. It's usually around the 15 to 20 pound mark, or I want to move more. I want to feel better in my body, right? But it's all as uniquely expressed as you are unique individuals. But here's the interesting thing. As unique and different as you guys all are, inevitably, there are similar threads that I start to notice in each one of you. And what ends up happening is that we all end up being driven by something, something, some sort of bias, some sort of motive that lies in our subconscious that's, that's just kind of steering our habits, it's steering our behaviors and actions and determining the outcomes that we either live with or survive with in our life. And so you guys are actually a little bit more similar than you think. That there's the, Typically what's driving you is very similar and it gets expressed in very unique ways. And so that's really what's kind of inspired what I want to talk to you guys about today is that in the past two weeks, I've had very similar conversations with all my clients in that we're getting to deeper layers and understanding what is behind the habit that we can't break or what is behind the habit that we want to build? What is stopping us? And that's really what I want to talk to you guys about today. And I've, I've called this big monsters versus little monsters. Now, everyone has a closet. And in that closet, everyone's got some monsters in it, some more than others, some less than others. But generally, there are two types of monsters, big monsters and little monsters, and I want to take some time to define what these guys mean. So let's talk about little monsters first. These are the monsters that address the, the, the questions of what. Like these are the small, seemingly little issues, right? If you come to me as a client and say, hey, uh, Trevor, I don't know what to do, but I want to lose 10 to 15 pounds, right? It's, it's the what. Uh, they address actions or behaviors um, ultimately to get a, a better outcome. They seem easier to fix because of it. They're less complex. And these are pretty common. They're, they're typically socially accepted. It's, it's normal. Almost everyone struggles with being a little bit overweight, it seems, right? So these are the little guys, the little monsters. And then there are the big monsters that address the questions of why. Like, why do I want to lose 10 or 15 pounds? Or... Why were the 10 to 15 pounds even there in the first place? They address the questions of belief and identity, and they lie underneath the surface, or in the closet analogy, they're way back in the back of the closet where the light doesn't even shine once you pick, peek apart the, the closet doors, right? And there's some uncertainty with that. There might be some scary implications, we think, that come along with dressing these these big monsters. An example of this would be, I, I don't think I'm worth anything, right? But here's what I would like to propose. 
is that we spend our life, for the most part, consciously fighting little monsters and never get to the big monsters that actually command what these little monsters do. Let me rephrase it a different way. The little monsters actually answer to the big monsters. The big monsters, I would like to propose, are actually driving unconsciously our motives, driving our actions, driving our behaviors, and ultimately determining our quality of life. So here's what this looks like. And I want to give you guys some examples from my life, from my clients' lives, and really paint a full picture of what this looks like so that we have no questions about what's at play here. So like I said, typically we focus on these little problems, right? The, the pain or the discomfort that we uh, feel from these, these big monsters, these big issues, the big core underlying beliefs that we have about ourselves that are causing this pain, we attribute it to the little problems, our circumstances, our environment, um, what happened in our past. Um, and it's a little bit easier to do it that way, maybe because we're scared or we have a lack of awareness. And let me, I feel like this concept is best explained through example, because we can talk all day about theory and hypotheticals and and what this looks like on a nebulous level, but I want to bring it to the ground. So I want to tell you a little story about one of my clients, and then I'm going to, I'm going to give you a a similar story from my own life and show you kind of two different stories, two different depictions of what this could look like. So let's start with a story from one of my clients. I'm going to take a sip of coffee first because why not? I can. Oh, that's good. Room temperature coffee. Always great when you're podcasting. So I have a client, um, amazing young woman. She comes to me about two months ago and we start working together and she says, Trevor, uh, you know, I I would really love, uh, typical, I would really love to lose 10 to 15 pounds. And really, it's an issue of self-control. I just need to, um, you know, I I just really need to start eating the right things. I need to start taking care of my body better. And it's just really gotten away of me. It's because I don't have discipline. So we start doing some work together, start working on habit change, figuring out what is sustainable for her, all of that good stuff. And things start to go genuinely well. After a few sessions, she's noticing she's losing weight. She's feeling better inside her body. She's even liking the way that her old clothes are fitting her. She's feeling more confident as she walks into work. And she feels like she's gaining some traction in this area, right? I mean, she's she's kind of overcoming this, this little problem she has in her mind of, of self-control. And she's actually starting to lose the weight. She's seeing the goal come to fruition. And then about session six, so we're about six weeks in at this point in the story, and she seems very, very defeated. And so I start asking her some questions, you know, what what happened this week? Is there anything you'd like to share with me? And she starts to share this little vignette. She says she's at work. She goes out for lunch. She picks up a salad and gets it to go, comes back. She's going to eat lunch in the office. And she's sitting there, she opens up the salad, and lo and behold, the restaurant gave her a croissant. Now, she had been doing well that day. She went and worked out in the morning. She had a, a pretty nutritious breakfast, uh, a vegan, uh, it was a plant-based protein smoothie, and 
hadn't really snacked all day and, and, and had been gaining a lot of momentum. So she looks at the croissant and is like, mm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to take a bite of that right now. So she eats the salad, right? That's a, the smart, responsible thing to do, exercising self-control. And then she looks at the croissant. She looks at it. She takes a bite. Chews it for a while. Says to herself, oh, this, this doesn't even taste that good. Takes another bite. Yep, okay, still doesn't taste that good. And what the most telling part of the story is, is the internal dialogue that started to take place at this moment. So she's there chewing her second bite of the croissant, and she hears in her head this voice. You know what? I don't even want this. It doesn't taste good. I'm not hungry. I'm energized. I'm completely satisfied. Just put it away. It's not going to give you any benefit. And then she hears this other voice that also sounds like her own voice that says, no, screw you. Literally, this is what she told me. No, screw you. And she ate the croissant as fast as she could. Now, I think we could all agree that a croissant, not really that big of a deal. Depending on what the rest of your day looks like, it might not even have an effect, right? It's not going to break the bank. If you have a croissant, fine. But what was interesting to me was the internal dialogue that took place before she took this bite, or rather as she was taking bites, almost forcing herself to eat it and engage in, in, in a form of sabotaging behavior. And so as she's opening up to me about it, I'm starting to ask more questions. What, 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 what was going on in your head? What sorts of things were you thinking? What were you feeling at that emotion? Or what emotions were you feeling at that time? And really just trying to get a full picture and come to full understanding of what that experience was like for her. And as she's doing this, she's starting to tear up. And I'm asking her, has this happened before? Is this an experience that um, you're well acquainted with? Has this happened in the past? And at that moment, she starts to break and she starts to share with me uh, some deep experiences that she had had before, ultimately through a series of questions and, and conversations on this topic. What she came to was the realization that she deep down believes that she actually doesn't have the grit to get through something hard. And so anytime she's doing well enough or gaining momentum for long enough, she starts to fear the presence of failure. She actually doesn't fear failure itself, but she starts to fear that feeling of failure, signaling that something's about to get harder, something's about to get uncomfortable, and it's going to take effort to get through it. And she noticed that she actually has habits of rolling over in life when things start to get hard, not, beca not because she can't get through it, but because she believes that she can't. This was her big monster. And let me tell you, some of the most transformative work has started to take place once we've addressed the big monster. We've moved the focus from, okay, how do we change behavior? How do we change actions and activities to set you up for success and losing weight? But okay, how do we continue to do that? But at the same time, let's start talking about this. How do we change your belief? Because if we can change your belief, we can change so many other little problems that might pop up now or might pop up in the future that hold allegiance to that big monster, that belief that you don't have any grit. And there's going to be other areas of her life that uh, she's going to see flourish and thrive because of her ability to address 
this big monster and open the doors wide on the closet and shine light into it. So that's an example from one of my clients about this this kind of idea of the big monster versus the little monster and the little monster holding allegiance to the big monster. And, you know, really why I have a passion for this and, and if I'm candid, part of the reason that I can spot this in my clients is that I've, I have experienced this as well in my own life. I know I've talked to you guys a little bit about my depression before, and I, I don't want to belabor the point, but it, it, I, I feel like I can't talk about it enough. There are so many people that deal with um, a lack of mental and emotional health, and, and it's, a, it's a huge problem. And if we can't talk about it as a society openly and honestly about what our struggles are, but also what our path to healing was, then it's going to continue to remain an issue. And so just go with me for a second. I, I want to talk to you about kind of how this big monsters versus little monsters problem has, has shown up in my own life. You know, for a long time, um, if I look through the past, um, I had a tendency to, uh, like I'm describing here, look at these little issues as the big game changers in my life. For instance, I, I dealt with depression, or, or at least the emotions and the depressive thought cycles that come along with depression for really my entire life. But it wasn't until about a year ago that I started to address it, because for long, it was... It's my circumstances. Oh, I'm too busy in this season. And because I'm so busy, um, I, I can't be happy. Or in other seasons, it was, well, I'm not busy enough. And it's it's because I have all this free time and I'm bored and I don't really know what to do with it and I feel alone. And be, because of that, I can't be happy. Or maybe it was a job. There were jobs that um, that, that I thought I absolutely hated and, and I said, you know what, I, I, I just can't be that happy because of this job. Or maybe it was a relationship, or certainly maybe it was a health-related or a weight issue, or uh, the list really could go on. Now, here's the issue, is that at some point, I ran out of little problems to try to fix. And I started to notice these blatant contradictions in my life, the too busy versus not busy enough, or the this job versus that job, or this environment versus that environment, or in this relationship versus not in that relationship, right? And before long, I couldn't hide anymore. I couldn't hide from the truth that there was actually something bigger driving my actions and my behaviors and these emotions that continued to pop up regardless of the season, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the goal that I set before me. And so with the help of a, an amazing coach who asked me some really, really great questions and guided me on a journey of, of facing this monster, we were able to get to the bottom of it. And guess what? All these little things, all the circumstances, the relationships, all the, all the little things that I thought contributed to my lack of happiness as a person, all of a sudden don't actually make that big of a difference. Yeah, of course they move the needle, right? I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people more so than an introvert does. But the fact that I spend uh, a lot of time by myself doesn't mean that I can't have joy in my life. And so actually addressing this big core issue, this big monster in the back of the closet, has actually brought more freedom. And as I've gotten him out of the closet with the help of a coach and a loving father, Actually, a lot of these little 
monsters have gone with it as well. And so this is what happens. Is, is addressing the little monsters actually works for some time. Until all of a sudden it doesn't. See, these little monsters are actually legit. Right? You can't fool yourself. And these little monsters are actually little problems. Like, they actually are problems that we want to fix. I'm not going to tell you that, um, not, that, lo- that losing 15 pounds isn't going to give you a boost in confidence or make you feel a little bit more worthy or make you feel uh, a little bit more deserving going into a relationship or whatever losing 15 pounds is going to do for you because it absolutely might right? Maybe it actually is a problem and maybe you actually do want to find a solution and lose some weight or whatever that issue is. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to feel better as a person by not addressing these little things. But that only can go so far. And at some point, we have to address the big monster in the back of the closet and shine some light on it. And this is not easy. I'm not bringing up this conversation as like, uh, you know, saying, okay, slap you on the butt. All right, go do it. Come back to me when you've solved your problems. No, not at all. There's a reason (laughs) that we engage ourselves in this tireless cycle of, of fighting these small problems, fighting these small wars, engaging the little monsters. It's because it's not easy to actually address the big underlying core drivers in our life, right? There's, there's some fear associated with it. It's uncertain, and there are absolutely implications that come along with it, and that's because we have to face ourselves. Not only do we face the monster, but in order to see it, we have to go inward and explore ourselves and face ourselves, the, the levels of our belief and identity that have robbed us of so much freedom and so much life. And so really what this is, is this is, a, this is more of a call for you to take the risk and ask yourself the big questions. What is that thought? What is that belief? What is that core thing that's driving most of your decisions? Get aware of it. Get still, get silent, and get alone. And I'm telling you, this is the way to freedom. And at the end of the day, I believe that God is working for our benefit all the time and has engaged us in a lifelong process of building us into a people that look like him. People that carry patience, peace, love, kindness, goodness, self-control, generosity, gentleness. I can go on. And you don't have to be a Bible thumper to get on with some of these characteristics because these are all things that as a society we would categorically define as good. I believe we have a Heavenly Father who's wanting to build us into people that carry all of these things, and we do it with intentionality and purpose, carrying destiny in our hearts with purpose, intentionality, driving the ball forward, not being driven by a monster in our closet. At the end of the day, that this is going to mold us into a people that look like God. And so I want you to ask him, what is he saying about these core issues? What are these monsters that might lie in your closet? Maybe you're not going to get answers right away, but start to engage in that process and trust that in the midst of uncertainty, you will find direction. 
And for you, maybe vulnerability is healing all, all on its own. Maybe your next step is just letting others in and allowing yourself to be fully seen and to see that having that person still love you in the moment and letting that heal you a little bit. Maybe you, maybe you need some coaching or some counseling or, or, or need to go see a therapist. I cannot recommend those things enough. So go have that conversation if that's what you need to do. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, Trevor, look, okay, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, I'm deeply aware and I don't know how to change it. I've coped with it and it's just a part of who I am. Here's what I don't want you to do. I do not want you to attribute these things as a part of your identity at least forever. Maybe you've let them be a part of your identity. Maybe you've just told yourself, look, I am unworthy. That's who I am. And potentially you've been living out of that identity, but that's not who you have to be going forward. We're dynamic. We can change. And if we adopt this mentality that we can change, we stop becoming victims to our personalities, circumstances, past our inappropriate tendencies or temptations or whatever is holding us back. This puts the locus of control back on us. And you can change. You can change. You can change the way you believe. You can change the way you think. And it's going to change your life because it flows through to your habits, your actions and behaviors in profound ways. And look, maybe maybe this thing's forever going to be a blind spot. Maybe Maybe it's it's forever going to impact your landscape, but your quality of life can improve so that it's not entirely destructive. Look, I might forever have a mental landscape that leans towards depression. However, I can cultivate that space to weed out the roots of depression in a way that it is not disruptive to my life. It might be a weak point for me in the same way that someone else has a weak point maybe for pride or, or something else, right? But I don't have to be defined by it. I don't have to let it control me or wreak havoc on the rest of my life. Look, I believe that our entire story is that through overcoming our own pain, we find redemption, we grow as a person, and then we can use that pain as a platform. Think about it. Some of the most powerful leaders carry authority on subjects because of the hard things that they've gone through. And the truth is, The thing that is unseen is the thing that yields the most power. So step up to your closet, grab the door handles, and fling the doors wide open. Let the light in. And take a step. Look back into those deep corners. What's there? What are those big monsters that you're afraid of that are actually driving most of your thoughts, most of your actions, most of your habits? and keeping you from the quality of life that you know you can have. Well, hey, friends, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. And if I've completely wrecked your entire world, good. Chat soon.